Hello and welcome to the Fence End Podcast. We are back. The season is back. Uh, unfortunately, though, uh, we are we are catless. Um, yeah, she's she's gone off. She's doing the Twitter for the club at the moment. So while she's doing that, she's she's going to take a back seat from the podcast, which means I don't even know if we can get ten minutes worth of podding. She normally speaks for a good half hour, doesn't she? Hi, Kath. Hi, Kath. And we're um, going to ask you what second that was said at to make sure you did listen. So don't. Yeah. No one tweet when it was. Yeah. Yeah, all those tweeters that, that will be sending their stuff in. Um, so, yeah, there are many of us today, but um, it's been a while since our last podcast, so we've got together and we are doing one now. So I'm Liam, and then to my left we have... Fraser. And then to his left... Adam. Paul. Uh, and that is it. That's the whole the whole gang today. Um, and it has actually been three months since the last podcast. So we are, what, um, eight games into the season? Yeah. Um, Twelve points. Uh, let's let's be really general. How's the beginning of the season been? I thought it was good. Yeah. Better uh, than expected with the change of manager. Change of manager. Yeah. Fourteen new players in. Um, so this is very much a gelling period. And yeah, twelve points. It was really strange standing at Oldham and thinking just before kickoff, I have no idea what this is going to be like. I have no idea how good we're going to be. What sort of he had a general idea, maybe the style, because what you saw in pre-season, but it was so strange going into the unknown. You felt, in the, certainly the last two years of Appleton, that we were, you felt very sort of protected, for want of a better word, that you thought, no, we'll be pretty good, we'll play some good football, but it was interesting going into... Well, one of the things I was worried about, as soon as I heard Appleton was off, um, and I know this was covered in the last one, but I wasn't here, so I'm going to have my moment now. Um, the thing that I was most worried about is... After each game, if we've not played well or we've lost and we perhaps deserved something from it or whatever, uh, I knew that all I had to do was listen to Appleton's interview and the world would be okay. I would be like calm again, uh, everything would, would, be, would be fine. And I didn't know if that was going to happen with a new manager. Mm. Uh, so he, he could have come in. I couldn't see it being hoofball, just because that's obviously not the way the club's set up at the moment. So I imagine good football, but if I didn't have that calming down <laughs> whenever we lose, it would be carnage, and I would definitely feel sorry. Also, for we played girlfriend. a lot of hard teams in pre-season. Yeah, lots of Championship sides. So Oldham was the first time we could actually play football and have possession of the ball and so on. Yeah. Yeah, which, is, which has been interesting. So I was saying to you uh, before we started recording, under, um, under Appleton, under the two managers before Appleton, uh, naming no names, because the swear jar is still in, in use. Uh, so that's double tax for the manager I'm referring to. From the moment he came in um, to Appleton leaving, we didn't necessarily beat the teams we should, and we didn't struggle against the teams we should either. Um, we would beat the team who were top of the league and then lose to the team who had not lot, uh, who had not won for 27 games. And that's how our form went. That's how we played. And then all of a sudden we're playing against Oldham and we won. Mm. Yeah. And we won quite convincingly that day as well. Um, well. A team that hoofed it as well. Yeah. yeah. A big I mean, physical team that hoofed it. Yeah. I mean, OK, you know, Oldham, have, I think they've, they've had a horrendous run since that game. Uh, they're, I know they're down the bottom, but I think we certainly... It's not as easy as it looks, I think, when, you, when you've got to get so many new players to gel with each other quickly. We pulled off a convincing performance that day. Um, I remember being just amazed at this guy, Jack Payne, in midfield, thinking, this guy's in 
incredible player for, for League One. I'm not saying he's not anymore, but... Um, well, no, you look at his record. and well, was yeah. our first 18 goals of the season. Yeah. He, he had something to do with yeah. 16 of Amazing, them or something yeah. stupid like that. What you were saying on Appleton not being you know, sort of reactionary, I saw a lot of criticism of Pep after Saturday. I mean, we're recording this after the Blackpool defeat. I saw a lot of criticism of him saying... He wasn't on the touchline. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't visible and that sort of thing. But I mean, was Matt? Uh, well, no. I mean, Appleton used to come out. He was never out at the start of a game. In fact, he used to emerge eventually. But and I also, I don't know what that. I don't know what that achieves. What so we can get in the fourth officials of the year Since on. Jim what, what Smith, do you, want, you know, what manager have we had that think, have been out? on And surely managers just do that because they feel like they want to just be closer to what's happening. It's not gonna. He's not gonna get on and and you know head a corner in. I don't know what people want from. He's just going to bark instructions to the nearest player. It will hopefully get relayed, but I, I don't know why. Well, I, I get people want used to, to say see. that at that point, it's not the manager's job to convey the message. The messages yeah. have all been conveyed. The players need to do what they've been told to do. I think most managers agree with that because mm. players either can't hear what the manager's saying yeah. or choose not to because they know that they're doing something wrong. I think um, it's an interesting nuance in management styles as well. Because if you compare to Bradford um, and look at the difference in the technical boxes there, the Bradford team were all out, all shouting, orders throughout the match. Um, and some of them probably could be heard and some of the time the players probably did pick up on that. Mm. And other times there was one instance where the manager was trying to shout out right to the player on the far side, trying to go through two players and really struggling to do that. But I think that's where we see um, and have probably been quite lucky in that we've had very modern um, approach to management over the past couple of seasons with guys like Appleton and Clotet in the way that, yeah, they're very much, when you're out on the pitch, this is on you guys. Mm-hmm. It's my captains on the pitch that are going to lead my team. And it's for you to make the decisions, for you to tell each other if someone isn't holding the right position. And there are benefits and drawbacks to both, but it's interesting to see the differences and also how maybe some of the differences might have to be dictated by the fans, as you say. Sometimes that manager who's shouting on the sideline might just be doing it to appease the fans as much as anything else. It's an interesting... Yeah, yeah, or, or calm themselves in mm-hmm. some way. It's yeah. a form of venting, I would have thought. And it's that build-up of aggression and frustration. And I suppose when you see that as a fan, and because you're passionate about it, you want to see the people who are in charge and you want to see or feel that they have the same desires. Mm. But the reality of it is... The fact that they can sit back there and be composed and be calm and not go and shout and lose their rag yeah. is the reason that they're possibly sat there yeah. and that yeah. we're in the stands as fans. Well, if you look at the, the more passionate managers that are, are naturally more passionate, um, the one that springs to mind is the Luton boss. Mm-hmm. He, like, his team bottled it. When push came to shove, it was too emotionally charged. And when, when they reached those crucial moments last season they couldn't see them through I'm not just saying that's the only only reason for that but if you've not got that calmness to go do you know what everything's going to be fine uh, and then from our point of view we've got Mike Williamson uh, Massinio more recently Riccardino um, we've got all these different players who have done it at a higher level obviously Nelson's been great and he's had to captain from such a young age so he's kind of used to it we've got seven eight players with European experience who should be able to convey that message. If you've got a team of youngsters, you might need to stand there and, and micromanage everything. Um, but I think once you've got those more experienced heads, when it's on the pitch, yeah. just let the players do it. And that's mm-hmm. something from that you saw straight away from Oldham, how much we missed last year, maybe the year before, 
experience in the squad. Mike Williamson at the back, you felt so comfortable with him, and, and he's not—he's not—he's certainly not the fastest player you've ever seen, but his his reading of the game, and he just plays. I don't want to say slowly, but at a pace that sort of calms everyone down. And he's sort of saying, "Look, look, we know what we're doing. We're on. We've got this. You know, yeah. we're fine." Well, um, he. he knows very early on I'm not going to get that ball so I'll do this Yeah, yeah. and makes that decision and goes for it which is exactly what you need you don't want someone chasing it even though they're not going to get it no, getting injured or yeah. taking a player out yeah. with that in mind with the game management side of things let's talk Bradford really quickly um, because the, the three games that we've won we've won I would say quite comfortably uh, what was it 2-0 3-0 and 3-0 um, and then we're 2-1 up again oh, and, and in those games in the last five minutes we're playing it into the corners we're taking our time over throw-ins and then we've got a game when we're 2-1 up against a good side who have just brought on another striker and are now playing six up front <laughs> and we didn't do that Van Kessel got up front and shot nice and early and let them attack for the other three minutes of extra time and obviously we, we then went and, and drew it. Um, one of the things that was said after the Blackpool game, and I guess it applies to the, the Bradford one, is you learn a lot more from losses. Mm. Can we take that positive out of it? Cool. I think we definitely can. You know, I mean, we, look, that, that header going in, Bradford, you know, was, was heartbreaking because before the game, we all approached that game thinking they're a good side. Bradford are a good team. They've just beaten Peterborough the game before. This is going to be tough. They went 1 0 up with a worldie. That was a cracking goal, you know, you've got yeah. to give it. And, and, and then you sort of thought, when that went in, you thought, oh. and then when they, they missed an absolute sitter to go 2 up, did it hit the bar or something? Yeah. I don't know what he did, but I was behind the, the opposite goal for for that game and I, I was sitting there thinking well that's why aren't those fans celebrating that's 2-0 isn't it and well, I didn't put it in but to come I thought the way Oxford came back was superb I mean mm. the the second goal was just the the passing and the build up to it was superb and a, an amazing finish by Joe Rothwell but yeah mm. like you say the well, game he's really stepped up since absolutely yeah. gone. but mm. with game management I, I yeah and I hate to say the really sort of simpleton thing but so what? Part of you just wanted someone to put a foot through the ball and get rid of it, and mm -hmm. you know, and we we def that attack that led to their their header. We we defended poorly. I think we switched off, but I mean, this, the squad also seemed knackered. You looked at we had a few chances up front before they equalised. Wes Thomas was the definition of blown out his ass. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not having a go. You know, it, we were 93 minutes in and he was done. You know, and straight back yeah, to injury. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm not having a go, but that. He was obviously absolutely finished, and um, yeah, it was gutting. But I mean, you know, like you say, you could use that old cliche before the game. If we had taken two-two, I think we definitely would have done. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you'd have taken a draw. It's just the way it fell. Yeah. And football, you've got to take your chances, and we we really should have capitalised on being two-one up on a very good side and and closed the game out. But um, mm. like and the, the, some of the play in the first and second half was scintillated. Yeah. The way absolutely. they were finding uh, pain, particularly between the lines of play, yeah. um, that was. The point at which you think, if we can play like this every week and sustain it for 45 or 60 minutes, mm. we're going to win a lot more games mm. than we lose. Well, yeah, and, and that's what this this opening gelling period is about. Mm -hmm. So I, I think being 12 points after eight games, I would have snapped someone's arm off for that because I thought our season would start 
between 10 and 15 games. Mm. So we've we've got a, a good step up from that. We've just got to make sure it happens now. Um, one thing that, that's been talked about a lot is potential injuries. And we've got Sean Beaker, who's quite inj- injury prone. Wes Thomas in the same position, quite yeah. injury prone. We've obviously got a similar issue at right back to two top really good players that are quite injury prone. Um, where do we feel we stand on that? We've just got mm. to have faith in, in the backroom stuff because they are obviously top notch, but there's only so much you can do. Yeah, well, I think it's one of those where if we compare an injury now to an injury last season, it feels to me as though we have more depth and quality across the positions. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a Turkish striker who's yet, who's yet to play a minute for us. We've got options up front, even with one or two guys out injured. And I think there's a lot more flexibility in the way we're playing now for players to come across into other positions and help out and for other players to fit in. Yeah. Injuries are always going to be a worry and a concern. Um, maybe we've done ourselves a little bit of a favour um, with some of our performance in cup competitions. That might help us slightly and reduce the calendar load. Um, but there's only so much you can do on the football pitch. The backroom staff, as you say, are excellent in monitoring that, knowing who needs what amount of game time when, knowing yeah. who needs what amount of training. You heard at the weekend that um, Williamson, just after he had, he had had his baby or his wife had had a baby, he was training that morning because he wasn't expecting to, to play. So it was certainly up there in terms of thinking about are the players getting the amount of game time they need to be, are we keeping them ticking over? And I don't know even at this point how many other clubs at this level would be quite where we are in terms of the management of fitness and game readiness like that. I think an interesting talking point is James Henry. Um, when he came in, there was uh, such a, a big hype about how, how great this player was we've got. There were a lot of Wolves fans on social media saying this guy's amazing. I'm certainly not saying, oh God, he's rubbish. But I think a lot of fans feel at the moment that he hasn't quite done what they, they thought he would. Now we're eight games in, you know. I don't know, how do people think he's done so far? I think, against what the hype was. He's, he's got a touch of the Andy Wings about him, where yeah. he's, he's come from a higher level, um, he's come in, he perhaps didn't hit the ground running after he had been injured for a little while, hadn't he? So he perhaps didn't hit the ground running. Um, and then people go... Oh, he's rubbish, and then that's it. the The fact he scored against Blackpool wasn't the best goal in the world, but the fact he scored yeah. against Blackpool and he has scored in one of the cups um, kind of gets washed under the carpet. Mm. Andy Andy Wing and Dean Smalley came in at the same time. Both got the same. Ah, uh, they're rubbish. Wingy somehow turned it round, and we'll talk about Wingy shortly because he's just left. Um, uh, but Smalley never could do that. So I, I guess it's just a case of. Hopefully the fans all all let up a bit. Like yeah. mm-hmm. he's a human, he will make mistakes. He does need time to settle, like every player does, every person in their job does. Um, I also think he's he in a slightly difficult, a slightly difficult position um, with the players that are around him because he's got guys in similar positions like Robbie Hall, like Marvin Johnson at a point, um, even if even if not moving forward. And he's a very different style of winger to them. Yeah. He is a lot more of a player who will try and find himself some space by, certainly if he's currently playing on the wrong side, by coming inside. Um, again, trying to get between lines, how he can bring other players, possibly bring fullbacks into the game um, more than the Robbie Hallwood, who's very, very happy to take a player on. Yeah. And I suppose from a spectator's perspective, it can then be easy to not notice or for it to take longer for that kind of player 
to pick up and, and for us to fully appreciate the, the role that he might be playing on the pitch. It might take him longer to understand his role as well because he can't just turn around, beat three players and put the ball in the net. He has to have a much greater understanding of everything else on the pitch and everyone else's roles in order to be able to influence the game yeah. in the ways that he can. Sometimes um, players like that, you have to go without them for a while to then see what they've offered. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he, he strikes me as more of like a 90s style right slash left midfielder, midfielder. as, a, as yeah. opposed to a winger. Um, but I, I kind of feel for him because he's been playing on the left a lot. But when he, a few times against Bradford and against Gillingham, he would cut back and then put a, an in-swinging cross in. And they were great. All of them were great. Most of them were dealt with, but they, they were going to where you would want them to go. And when you've got players like Wes Thomas there, who, if there's a ball dipping around in the box, he's likely to get onto it, I think that's helpful. I, I like him. I just think he needs to set up. A beaker few people weren't sure because of where he came from yeah but he I think well, seems I mean, to be the man two things you know, that, that, that was funny sorry that, that was funny at first and then it, I, start, I started to think are these people serious that we can't like John Abika because we bought him from Swindon or something <laughs> I mean I just thought like I thought at first it was like oh yeah that's good yeah and then like, whenever he made a mistake people in the stands were going scum scummer are you real Okay, he's a footballer who played for another club. Yep. But what's your problem? He and then left that other club yeah, to, come to, to, to come to us. I mean, if uh, anything, I mean, that's like, <laughs> you know, when you wanted Bino all those years. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. weren't even that fussed about this yeah. guy. He's here. I mean, there wasn't, even, there wasn't even any speculation about him. I don't think. When he just signed one day, as oh, we got him, have we? Oh, he's there. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, good, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they seem they seem really bitter about it. That's brilliant. Yeah, but our fans questioning should we like him because he's stop talking. Yes, well, no, we should. I don't. And oh, he's he's rubbish. He's not rubbish. Yeah. He missed he missed an absolute sitter against Gillingham, but that's fine Every because everyone does that. Fitters. And his hold-up play is superb. His strength on the ball is he he's, allows he's things to develop. And yeah, it's absolutely. not like he's come from there after being passionate for them, and he couldn't care less here. Yeah. He does try for every ball he can. Absolutely. And he also gives us um, another different dimension to the squad that maybe we're missing at the minute. So we look, we look at games like Blackpool and even Bradford to a degree and some of the highlights there, and maybe you could put this game management sound some of it as well. Every run that our forwards are making is trying to break a line, it's trying to break a line, it's trying to break a line. And that, on the one hand, makes guys like James Henry's job more difficult as well because they can't maybe support play at that speed. Mm -hmm. But when we've got our hold-up play striker in there, i.e. when I beak his back or when we've got other options as well, I think that's going to be, um, or allow us to play a lot more in-game management style, allow us to hold on to that ball and dictate games a little bit more as well. Yeah, one thing I, I feel like under Pep, and this sort of goes with what you were saying, is it doesn't seem like every attack is an attempt to score, which sounds really stupid, but it feels a bit more like fighting a virus, and you try something and it doesn't work, so you try something else, it doesn't work, and you try something mm -hmm. else, until eventually you go, right, well, this unlocked it, let's try that a bit more. Mm -hmm. And it is a bit more tactical, a bit more game of chess, um, which obviously when you, you're playing against Blackpool and within whatever amount of time you're 2-0 down, that's not very helpful because you're, you're playing catch-up. Mm -hmm. But other teams, when we're 0-0 at half-time and then win 3-0, yeah. that obviously is a lot more effective. Yeah. The, way, the way that at the minute 
specifically on our passing and moving into that from a tactical element, we're doing an awful lot of shifting opposition. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you talk about what's the point of possession, just possession for the sake of possession. Uh, oh, why if, do people say that? Sorry, <laughs> we'll come to that in a minute. If you can achieve purposeful possession, i.e. possession to shift a defence position or possession to try and uh, find a space between a line or to break a defensive unit, which is what we seem to be doing at the minute, and then you've got the players with the creativity and quality on the ball, i.e. your Paynes, your Halls, uh, your Van Kessels, that's where we're having an awful lot of success. And as you see, you're not going to see it every attack. Mm -hmm. You're not going to turn around every attack, manage to break them down and score a goal from the wing with a cross coming in. Mm -hmm. But as you say, it's that build-up of play and it's the ability of everyone to be on that same wavelength coming into our gelling time as a team as well. Mm -hmm. that's going to allow them to notice those opportunities better. I think so in someone who deserves a shout-out is um, Mr Riccardinho. Oh. I just... I think I'm in love with him. Yeah. I'm going to say it. You know, I think I am because... He, to watch him is such a joy. He he is just an admit. He, he justifies the admission for me. How long did we sit under the sea bombs regime and watch? No disrespect to them if they're listening. They're definitely not. But Tom Newey and David Hunt, people like that, who just belt and braces launch it, get rid of that ball, and oh, it just infuriates me. Ben hearing, yeah. If any other teams listening, as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. Um, how long do we watch fullbacks like that who got the ball and their instruction was launch it, get rid of it quickly? Now yeah. I know we could have done with that in stoppage time a week <laughs> ago. Yeah, yeah. But long term, it, it's so much more refreshing to to see someone like. Ricardinho, who has a little bit of the Williamson about him, where he doesn't panic. He gets the ball and thinks. What do I need to launch it for? There's an option. I can pass it here. I can yeah. go this way. Or again, yeah, but there's a forward coming near you. Yeah, well, I'll deal with it. I think, yeah, I think that's a, it. Was either yeah. Bradford or Bradford or was when he did the really, really cool stuff in the box. He was just like that, like facing his goal. Yeah, just like that. I'm just going to turn the striker twice. <laughs> Drop yeah. the yeah. Yeah. Run it out. Yeah. yeah, and he never sort of. He'll never let a ball go. He says, like, "No, let's keep it on the pitch so we can keep keep playing." Mm. Well, yeah, big time. I want to see more football. You mm. know, I mean, yeah. I like players like that because. I don't like the opinion in football of just win, just just find a way to just find a way to win, just yeah. you know the whole the Wimbledon thing. Surely football, if we're paying fans, surely you want to watch a bit of football every Saturday, not just mm. well, yeah, not but, launch but it and see if you can degree, score. You know, I suppose to a degree that's where we're lucky to have someone with the quality of Ricardinho within the squad. Oh, absolutely, yeah, because yeah. you've his, got to have the ability to, uh, for the confidence to do that. His his yeah. his playing experience over the years means that. The pitch he sees is probably very difficult or very different to one that other fullbacks before yeah, have seen. Yeah. The ability yeah. to have the confidence to execute yeah, on that's yeah, massive. Yeah. Well, not just that, from an entertainment point of view, watching someone with a smile on their face. Yeah. Let's talk more about Blackpool because that's obviously the most recent game, and Pep said that he would learn more from Blackpool than he has most other games this season. Um, Fraser, you were there. John, talk us through it. Oh dear. Talk us through the um, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a strange one. Um, you, you felt after Gillingham and Bradford, you sort of felt like we'd be riding a wave of of, of you know optimism and that we were going to really take them. And and I must admit, this is ignorance on my part. I didn't realise how high in the table Blackpool were. And I didn't. I hadn't really kept track of their results, but they were. A good side. Well, I mean, they they still haven't dropped any points at home. It's amazing. And the first thing to say is that 
as bad as Oxford were, we weren't beaten by a bad team. Blackpool were a good side. I, I felt they played football quite well. They moved the ball quickly. They took their chances, and, and you know, there we go. But um, Oxford in the first half were easily the worst I've seen them under under Cotet. I just thought they would. I don't think any player would argue with the fact that that was a very poor half of football. Mm-hmm. Why did it happen? It just happens, you know. Yeah. I think it I think, does just happen in yeah. football sometimes. You just, you just, so things don't go for you. Nelson wasn't at the races. Eastwood wasn't at the races. I hate to say that. Um, people, it was just people didn't know what they were doing, and and I, you know, I, I'm not having a go at the fans, but the fans' patience ran out sort of just after the second goal. Understandably, it's a long trip. You paid yeah. your money, and you want to see a team having a go, but probably hungover. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably hungover. Yeah, but. Um, I, you know, it was it was a big off day for mm. for the team. And I think look at look at looking at it back and looking at the game. One difference between that game and maybe a previous games is the press that was instilled by Blackpool. Yeah. So we at the minute have got two fullbacks, two centre backs, debatably who are on that pitch, who are very very happy to play with the ball. Yeah. And by playing with the ball, they take out so much of the opposition's ability to close down the space and allow yeah. us to play through so much that all of a sudden when we come up against Blackpool. And within the first ten minutes, they're on us, and they're sending two, three, four men. It's a risk for Blackpool because if we can deal with that and pass through that line, all of a sudden we're five on three, five on four at the back, and we've got really good chances to score ourselves an early goal. But I think the combination of that high press and us, for whatever reason, not being able to deal with that intensity from the off meant that they almost took a risk. And as, as we said earlier about the issue with the playing style of the team if you go 1-0 down 2-0 down I think that almost came back to haunt us mm. so it almost seems intelligent from Blackpool to think if we can get these guys on the ropes in the first 20 minutes or so we've got a very very good chance So is that it, a lack of research from Oxford's point of view potentially? I mean in fairness to Blackpool they managed the game so well mm. they, they, we, as soon as they were two up they knew exactly Red Oxford incredibly well I mean the second half Which makes you think it could have been a game plan Well exactly yeah yeah. But, I mean you know it, it, Every time Rob Hall cut down the wing, he he you know was on his right foot, turned to cross with his left foot because sometimes he can barely stand on his right foot. So he turns to cross with his left foot. Blackpool always had a man covering because they read that instantly. They thought this guy can't cross with his right foot, but yeah, he's playing here. We'll constantly and we'll, and there, and it was just little things like that all over the pitch that Blackpool looked at looked at and said we'll deal with that all day. You can keep doing that because we'll deal with that. Our goal. Um, it was a. I don't know who hit the long range shot, but it's one that he parried and then Henry put in. Um, it was a decent goal, but you know you'd have been thoroughly gutted if he'd missed that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I just felt Blackpool. They read Oxford very quickly, and um, I don't know. Is it a concern moving forward? Are we are we a bit too readable? I'm not sure. Well, you are when you go two goals down, you know. And it's. Mm. I think our heads dropped a bit. Um, but then if we are that's something to work on and maybe that's absolutely, what talking absolutely, about yeah. and coming, coming back to your point on research is it a case of Blackpool adjusting to the way we play and therefore potentially doing something different on Saturday to what they've done before or is it something that they've done since the start of the season we don't know that no. only Bondi, Pep, the other guys at the club know that um, and if they do I'm sure they'll be kicking themselves now and thinking we could have, we could have been yeah. prepping ourselves to deal with this a little bit better maybe they had maybe they knew that was the plan from Blackpool and maybe the players on the day can follow it through I suppose this is where when the game gets tactical to that degree it can be difficult from the sideline or from our position to understand 
whether it was that we were very readable and Blackpool picked it up early on, whether Blackpool were just up for the game and therefore pressed high, whether they knew what we were doing. Um, but I certainly had a feeling that there is always the worry in a game like that that we've been, in cliche terms, found out. Um, and so I'm sure we've got solutions to deal with that because these kinds of systems have worked at a much higher level than we're playing at. Mm-hmm. And that's always something to bear in mind and to have thinking about moving forwards. Well, one thing I, I'd love to point out to any fans who were in some way like worried automatically because we lost. But Millwall lost 3-0 to Oxford last season and went, went up in the playoffs. It was a completely different part of the season, but one loss where you do get found out doesn't mean that you're going to get found out every game. It Absolutely. actually means you've got something to improve on. So it's, And you know how teams are going to find you out if they can. Yeah. This point of the season against another team high up in the league, this is the game, not that there's a game you want to lose, but this is the game that allows you to most or to learn most from the loss and allows yeah. you, as you say, to, to find really tangible things that you can improve on going forwards. I've got to say, on the way back down, you... When you, I was driving back down the M6 after the game, and you know you're, you're disappointed. You think that's oh, rubbish, you know. And you, when you sort of go deep in thought and you think about it a lot, I think if you were sitting the, after the full-time whistle went against Shrewsbury at the end of last season, last game, if you someone came to you and said, by the start of next season, you're gonna have lost your manager, have lost your captain, have lost your left back, your left back slash left winger. Your forward, who your sort of talisman forward, your your wind-up merchant, and a host of you know a midfielder who was key to the the promotion season before. If you were told all of that and then told, but you're going to be you know what is it, twelve points after after eight games? I think you you'd certainly take that return. But I think you would also you would take it and and go. It's going to be a struggle, but actually the future looks quite bright. Well, absolutely. I think that's the 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 only the only. preconception there is what's the context of where we are 12 points after 8 games are we 12 points after 8 games with a mid-table budget probably not, I think this season we've been given um, a very ambitious budget you only have to look at the players we've got in and their calibre to see that Mm. and so um, it's almost played devil's advocate for it in a way because I think the club is in a really really strong position and I'm very confident the people in there and their ability to guide us um, to really positive places, but you can understand to a degree the, the the not the worry necessarily, but the fact that people might be watching a little bit more to make sure that everything is going to continue as it is. Because yeah. yes, we're here 12 points after eight games, and that's fine considering we've lost our manager and a host of other players. But we have had resources to replace those. How long is this gelling period? If we call it a gelling, or is it um, a bit more than that and getting set in the league and that kind of thing? just got to be careful that we don't take another season where we think yeah we lost our manager I'm okay a couple of places yeah, outside the purse at the end yeah. yeah when actually the resources and availabilities that we've had this season have possibly been a little bit higher than that well I when you sorry go on. I mean surely I don't know if the club have actually publicly stated a name for this season but it's surely the playoffs isn't oh it? yeah I think yeah. so yeah I mean it, how would we feel now going around the room if we if you said, "Well, we're going to finish, we're going to finish ninth this year," if we could say that, now how would we actually? I mean, I'd be disappointed. I've got to say, and I wouldn't. I would. I certainly wouldn't be in a position of get rid of the manager, but it would be disappointing of everyone that we brought in and the the, the style of football we're playing. If that can't produce the playoffs, I'd, I'd be a bit concerned that. Well, where do we go from there? Mm. Well, you know? I think we've got. We've already identified the depth that we've got. I think that sort of thing you've got to remember. 
when it comes to later on in the season, when other teams start to struggle with the injuries and so on, and our depth yeah. should help us do better in that period. Yeah, we should. Well, and the experience in the squad anyway. Yeah, yeah. We should, should, should be able to manage quite the season. A lot mm. there. I think again, um, I'd be disappointed. Wouldn't be calling for a culling because I think these would be the guys who know how to improve and build on that situation. Yeah. But yeah, if we finish. In, in April, May time, and we're in ninth, tenth position. I don't think you can turn around and say that you're inherently content with that as a season. Yeah. Doesn't mean that we're calling for the yeah, manager I'll, to go by any stretch. I wouldn't be gutted, but yeah, I wouldn't be blown away by well, that. The last, this is it. Like after Appleton's first season, so promotion season, I went into that season going right. Well, the football's been good. So first things first, get fifty-one points. And that was what I wanted to see. As soon as we got to 51 points, I was like, right, well, where, where to look for is a minimum next. And I know that means nothing to any of the players or staff because yeah. it's just something that I do in my own head. Last season, I did exactly the same. This season, I'm going in with exactly the same mindset where at the moment, 12 points means 39 more. We're safe from relegation. And then once you've got that amount of points, you go, well, we've got this many more games. Like, this should leave us mid-table or whatever. And and that sort of helps me relax mm. a bit. So I, I fear for what I'm about to say, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the three players that went to them, and the one that we're all thinking of now, who used to make us smile when the, the clouds were grey. Oh, um, Phil Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, when, when Maguire didn't sign, it was this big, um, well, what are we gonna do? Actually, I think Payne, who plays in, in the position Maguire liked to play in, is a, a more able player. Yeah, I think that. But do we now think, eight games in, that actually the club weren't that into getting him? Because the tactic, the way we are currently playing, I cannot imagine him playing in. I mean, the, well, the only, the only thing I could... Well, I don't know. I think his hold-up play was superb, and... His dead ball delivery, I think we lack at that the moment. we miss. We certainly miss someone who can... I mean, we, I think we had two free kicks on Saturday. I think Payne took both of them. And both just... I, I, I'm sure the guy can hit a free kick, but you did feel that with Maguire, you were, I mean, almost arrogantly thinking, this is going to go in. Yeah. And, um, I, well, at I least think, work the keeper. I think yeah. we miss his dead ball delivery. And I think, in terms of game management, he could read football so well that... I think he, he knew when to get in a ref's ear about something. He knew where, where the boundaries were. He, I mean, I've said this hundreds of times on this podcast before. He bought fouls all over the pitch. Not cheatingly, but he knew how to draw a tackle. And he did it superbly every week. Yeah. I mean, but how, what were the club supposed to do? I love Chris Maguire, but were, were the club supposed to just wait forever? Or I mean, he claims that he, he went on Instagram or something, didn't he? And claimed that he wasn't contacted until two weeks before he signed for Barry. But I mean... It's so hard to know what what's Absolutely. true and what's you know. It, 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 you could ponder it forever, and if you asked Darrow Eels, I'm sure he'd say one thing. Maguire would say another. You could go around in circles forever. I think trying to figure out exactly who's well, I don't being truthful. Think Maguire was. I think it was a choice of either um, McElhaney or Maguire, and we went for McElhaney. Yeah. Of course, he went somewhere else because he wanted to be close to home. Yeah. Slash, but yeah. but at the same time. Yeah. That what comes the out, same. what what comes out to the public can be um, potentially so strewn and far away from what 
from the reality, as you say, yeah, like yeah. it's very difficult for us to speculate here. Um, I don't know if any of you saw one former manager of ours on deadline day. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh right, sorry. The the so he had he allowed coverage in yeah. a, in at Sheffield to cover um, really the proceedings. It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Good I thought, I thought, fascinating. I it was quite interesting. Fascinating yeah, to yeah. see that video to see what went on. That player who changed like. One minute he was worth nothing. The next minute he was eight hundred k, and then two hundred fifty. What? But like that makes it so difficult for us. And having been sat at the minute, and sometimes you hear things that are going on inside clubs, and they're totally different to what you'd seen on the outside. And you're like, how on? How's that? But that's not what we mm. thought was. You can sometimes, even if it gets to the same end result, the way it's got there is so different from yeah. what everyone around you's been talking about that. I think it's very difficult for us to blame Maguire, to blame the club, to say it was um, like a, a, a choice between a few players or to say whatever it was because we're probably never going to know. Well, the main thing that I can't see him doing is at the moment when when Oxford had the ball, let's say uh, our right back has the ball, mm -hmm. all of a sudden one of our centre-backs and Robbie Hall will swap places. Absolutely like sprint, head down sprint to swap Total places. Football. And I can't see him doing that. <laughs> and we lo we would we no. would lose that. Yeah. He, you, you have so if that's what Pep had in mind, yeah. you know there is the chance that yeah. it was like. No, and you have room maybe way. for him or Payne on the pitch. Yeah. And Payne probably gives you a little bit more in his athleticism, if you, if you can say that, and his ability to maybe find some space and move the ball on quicker yeah. more often. Not that Maguire can't, but Maguire probably has a. Um, and more of a mind of slowing the pace down to his pace and then going quickly from there. Yeah. And you've only got room for one of them on the pitch. Downside of having pain is that by January he could be gone. Mm -hmm. Downside of having Maguire is that he's very possibly costing us more than pain would have cost us. Very possibly um, would take longer over something like a negotiation as well. And very possibly doesn't fit into the total football style as well. That it becomes difficult as an overall um, to make to make that decision. Yeah, as you say. Maybe maybe that's a, an earlier indication of people behind the club knowing that there might be a change in style yeah. for the team for the coming season. I mean, that's that's something I'm just speculating, mm, just yeah. because of the of the switching of, of players and just like it is two players that are nowhere near the action or just do that, and they obviously know what they're doing mm -hmm. and why they're doing it. But uh, you know, fans aren't on that wavelength, and I well, can't I imagine mean, Maguire would necessarily necessarily we, do it. We see this every year, don't we? With, with players who leave or come in or whatever. Fans, I'm not saying it's just Oxford fans, fans of every club do this. They, they, for some reason, get into this mindset that, well, well players are fans of the club as well, aren't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. play, play, players want to be here as well, don't they? I'm sure a lot of players do want to be here, but right, let's for see. the right money. Yeah. And, you know, and. And for the right opportunity. As much as we, yeah, absolutely. And as much as we might not like to admit it, footballers are employees, you know. Mm -hmm. And as much as we, we love them and they're kings to us, and I, I wouldn't dispute that. At the end of the day, they they they're they're, they're going to go where the money is, and I I have no problem with that at our level, because we I mean no one knows exactly, but we could say what League One players are earning maybe two and a half grand a week, two grand a week maybe, yeah, something like that. You know, yeah. if you go if so, if you're on two and a half grand a week and someone offers you three and a half grand a week, that's fifty two grand a year extra. 
and two and a half grand a week, while it's good money, it's not. It's nothing like the top end of football. It's so not sustainable and, either. And let's remember, it's a career that ends at probably 35, well, 36. This is the big thing with Johnson, it's, isn't it? As soon as you go to the championship, you're looking at probably five figures a week, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, you work for four years in the championship. It, that is, even at just 10 million, that's yeah. more than two, oh, sorry, 10,000 a week. Only. <laughs> I'm an actor. That is more than I earn in about three years. Um, so, yeah, you look at that. You do that for four years at ten grand a week. You that is the point where you go. I don't have to work again. Yeah, I can yeah. live off that. And, and as fascinating as well, um, speaking to Rich in the in the book we've got coming up, and he speaks about I was a different. Mention that. Don't it's worry. fine. It just came into. Um, <laughs> and he speaks about a difference that players have when they've had a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were speaking about Johnson there, he says that as soon as a player's had a kid, you quite often see that their focus and mentality changes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they want to do the absolute most so that they can provide for this kid. And the difference between playing in the League One and the Championship could be quite a bit of a difference in what they can potentially give to the upbringing well, of this when you kid. you look back at, at Hiltz, he was offered the same money between Oxford and Luton, reportedly, but Luton offered a three-year contract and Oxford offered a one. He's, he's a dad. He's got to look after his kid. Uh, yeah, exactly. Another thing that we don't like to admit is that footballers are, are to a certain extent, controlled by their agents. Oh, and and their, their agents, I, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but I imagine the agent does most of the negotiating and says, right, this is what the offer is. I think you should, and I think you should take that. And the agent's probably very persuasive because he's getting a cut of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So and the agent, the, the agent's, agent's your dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The agent's persuasion. Who are you referring to? <laughs> no one mm. the, <laughs> the agent's persuasion as well, because of the position they're in as the middleman, can be financial too. Yeah. The agent has the power to say, if you move here, we will give you X amount more as well as the, whatever the deal is. So we think about footballers and decisions they make. But as you say, if the agent doesn't want you to go to a club, mm. what's to stop them refusing to negotiate or putting in a poor negotiating performance? But then Absolutely I guess, nothing. I guess on the flip side, the, 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 the blueprint for a lot of players is, is someone like Roof, who left a Premier League club to come to a League Two club, probably going to be on a grand and a half a week when he came to us, I'd say, in League Two. But... but, but probably advised by his agent you know you can take this as a good club it's on the up stick it here for a year you know be the talisman put the goals in you'll be out of here earning a lot more money and, mm-hmm. well I bet and, that you know, was a conversation a between Eels the agent and Roof well, of course, as well yeah. and probably West Brom yeah, as well yeah. you know. and that, that's really positive work from an agency that's a yeah. way of how can we manage someone to do the best for them sustainably and let's not throw them under the bus and put yeah. them somewhere they're not comfortable with so we can make a quick buck if you like but Kemar Roof also, it's a player who works damn hard. Mm-hmm. Like having seen um, a lot of the guys in the recruitment area at West Brom and what they're saying about him now, he scored a goal the other day for Leeds and it was similar to a couple of the Thierry Henry goals that he scored for us where he sort of yeah, cuts yeah. inside, bouncing ball over against the goalkeeper around. Swansea, he did. Yes, he did. He did one that against Swansea. Uh, and, and they were saying, he does this. This is no surprise. He spent 45 minutes an hour every evening working on this. Mm-hmm. This is the transfer of it into a game and maybe coming to Oxford helped him helped him to understand how to work hard the nuances of that as well mm. but if you can come down to that level and put in the required effort level 
to make it back up and get the breaks as well, then there's a massive, massive positive to say for that kind of management. Absolutely. And I mean, then you look at someone like Ledson, who is passionate, he seems to have every time mm. a goal goes in, mm. uh, most of the time he hasn't scored it, but he's so involved, you could tell he really is, is really at home at the club. Yeah. And, um, but that's not to say, you know, when his contract's maybe got a year left, his agent's going to be in his ear saying, look, He's we, just, need, we need more money he's from likely here, to be or we're going to be about another club. Yes. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and it's just accepting that, I think. that We've got a lot of players who've joined us as well, saying, you know, they wanted to work with Pep again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I think a lot of them, they can see that their career will improve from being there yeah yeah, that makes sense and without going back to the phrase of one of our old managers which was I've been watching him for a while we've worked together before blah 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 the way that players have come back to Pep as you say Mm. says I think a lot about his quality and potential as a manager absolutely because if you've been playing in the championship or potentially just been promoted to the Premier League or in and around that level you don't drop down to League One unless you know that whoever's managing it whoever's in charge of your development is absolutely at the level they need to be. We probably saw it with Michael Appleton as well. We probably got a lot more guys from academies than we would have, possibly. But it's reassuring to see that that's followed through with Pep and that some of his experience within the first team at high levels has meant that we can really benefit from that. So before we move on to uh, upcoming games, um, the the Twitter account, I'm not just saying this because I, I know Kath and I like Kath, Sort of. I think it's been brilliant. I think it's really stepped up. Like, yeah. if if you go back and look through the Twitter feed, you'd have to go back a little while. Mm. You can see where she comes in and starts it. Yeah, and you get the hello Monday morning. So well done, Kath. Yeah, yeah. message Absolutely. to you. Well, it's probably not. So important for the club as well <laughs> because it, especially these days, these are the modes of communication that fans follow and that fans care about. And it was really good um, when we had Sarah in. However, it's probably. If we go back to sort of a year from now, that would we were a very strong time there. And then you've almost got this in and out period where some things probably really weren't being communicated on social media as well as they can. And now when you've got someone dedicated, and someone like Kath as well, who is very much down on the level with the fans and knows how to communicate with them, how to tell those stories in the most efficient way, yeah. it makes a massive difference to the club. Yeah, Absolutely. It becomes a community again. And it's just those little things like, I mean, she had that uh, camera recently behind the goal for oh, the Gillingham game. That's brilliant. I think I must have watched that about a hundred times now. It's just, it, it's just little things like that that engage fans. It's a mm. different view, and yeah, things like that. I think are just so, you know, so such brilliant little extra, extra things that we can, we can all love. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does make it much more enjoyable, and you know, we we beat Gillingham, and then the next day you've got. A, a little gif of some of the goals and whatever mm-hmm. and like a good morning and, and it's the informality it's of it as well it's the informality that makes it so shareable that makes it so lovable almost yeah. for any fan it's like the Maguire gifts that came out last year we can associate with those um, we will share those and other fans will see those and that might get other fans back here next week which might for the record the uh, McGregor walk Kath made that gif so there you yeah, go it, it, it's, uh, it shows how good she is mm-hmm. really well, I don't count anyway. Um, upcoming games, we've got uh, Walsall, who are three points beneath us, I think, um, and then Barry, which we're all very curious about. You know, <laughs> <laughs> don't think I'll be going up to Gig Lane on Tuesday evening, though. Sadly, uh, Fraser will. Fraser goes to everything. Don't you, Fraser? I'll probably be working, but uh, 
Yeah, but there's a if chance to see our hero the man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ricardinho. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, and then it did Peterborough after that. Yeah. Yeah, overall. so uh, three games, nine points available. What do we reckon? Matt thinks four points. Yeah. What um, do you think, Fraser? God, it's... I just got to take a complete guess. Uh, I'd say six. Uh, Liam too agrees. Yeah, of course he does. This yeah. just in. Um, I think I think we can beat Walsall and Berry. I think Peterborough will be a tough game Um, I think it will go win-win-loss I think it will go win-win-draw because I'm I'm optimistic and last time I went 7 points well I I tend to go 7 points and then it was because the promotion last 3 games I went 7 points for going (laughs) <laughs> we went up. Uh, Adam, what do you think? I'd go for an optimistic seven as well. Uh, a total guess. But seven. Yeah. Excellent. Like uh, Strictly Come Down. You pessimist. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> um, we have had a lovely treat today. We've had Adam here. Um, Adam, you've got a book out. Perfect gift for Christmas, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. What's really young player. So it's um, called So You Want to Be a Professional Footballer. Um, and it's probably going to be the first of two or three books. But basically, it's looking at everything in this first book that people can do to help themselves become a professional footballer, all the margins that are involved, some of the things that are to chance, some of the things that you can be doing as a player. We're really sort of looking at anyone who's 12 to 21, whether they're in an academy setup and looking for those extra things that can push on their performance, or if you're just interested in a bit of psychology, interested in a bit of the pathway, um, just to see what sort of happens or what people are thinking about when you get up to those levels. It's not your first book either, is it? No, this is going to be book number four. And um, how old are you? I'm 17. 17, so this is why we hate Adam. <laughs> uh, and we've waited so long to have him on. But if you would like all four of his books as a, a present to a loved one, or just for yourself, they're a brilliant read. Um, excellent, so thank you, Adam. No worries at all. Um, and so, yeah, that, that leaves us about out of time. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, you've got to experience, hopefully, a very good podcast. And uh, I think the first one with the word nuance in, yeah. which Adam <laughs> dropped in very early on. So. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good word. And hello, Tim Walker. Hello, Tim Walker. Can Rufy we say Roo. hello to Rufy Roo as well? Yeah. 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 Um, ginger Moods. Yeah. Well, thanks very much uh, for listening, and hopefully we'll be back to release another podcast soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.